Good morning, church. Uh, we thank you again for allowing us into your living rooms. And I know sometimes during the week people will send me, uh, text me pictures. And I received a picture uh, this week. Actually, it was a sad, forlorn picture. It was sent by uh, Sullivan County's uh, head deputy of his puppy sitting there wanting him to feed him during the sermon. So as I speak on behalf of all dogs everywhere, if, if your dog is sitting with you this morning and looking at you and you're eating something, you know, give the dog a morsel. You know, I, that's a, it's a sad, sad state of events, actually. If you've ever wondered why sometimes a preacher will take off his watch and lay it on his pulpit, and you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. So I uh, just wanted to share that. It, we won't be going too long this morning, but... Um, and sometimes pastors will put a mint between cheek and gum, you know, uh, keeps that your lips from, and tongue from sticking together. And there was a story one time of a pastor reached in his pocket to get his mint and got a button and said he went for an hour and a half, but you don't have to worry about that this morning. I trust that when you're in public that you're wearing your masks. Uh, it's part of our witness and same way with washing our hands and, and staying safe. And rest assured this morning, when we get back together, I won't be hugging and smearing on you as I have erroneously proclaimed from this place before. Uh, I did that in my zest and zeal, looking forward to seeing you all, whom I truly miss and love dearly. And I'd ask you this this morning, that you continue to pray for us as leadership, as we make wise decisions as these days unfold ahead of us when when we open our door. And we will keep you informed on that title of this message this morning is, Does Jesus Really Understand This? Of course, the answer is absolutely. Jesus understands you and I 100%. Our text in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 explains, That is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. We all have well-intentioned friends that say, I know how you feel. Deep down inside, no, you really don't. But the thing is about Christ, he does understand. He was tempted in all things as we are, so he can interpret and present our feelings to God. So... When you pray in Jesus' name and you pour out your heart to God, Jesus acts as your eternity attorney and says, Father, I know what this person is feeling. I know what it's like to be under pressure to sin. I stand with this child of yours who needs your help. Because Jesus is our high priest, 414 says. He experienced life completely. He grew tired, became hungry, and faced normal human limitations as you and I. Thus, in that whole aspect, Jesus can sympathize with the weaknesses, not only that, but he also was in all points tempted as we are. He felt the struggle and reality of temptation. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, describes his experience in the wilderness when Satan came at him and how he fought that temptation. I think he probably fought it his whole life, just as we do. 1 John two sixteen says that. He experienced the full pressure of temptation. Being God, Jesus could never have given into sin. Though he was a human being, he was unlike us in that he was without sin. So from our limited perspective, this is difficult for us to grasp, this great mystery. 
What we can say is, is that Jesus could have sinned, which makes temptation real. We can be encouraged in knowing that Jesus faced temptation without giving in to sin and that he gives us the power to do so as well, which means he never yielded. If we so choose, you know, if in all honesty, this is not one of my favorite subjects. Uh, it opens up all kinds of memories and things that has happened to myself and some of the mistakes that I've made. But a lot of us, if we're honest this morning, have to understand that as we delve back in our past, that emotionally and sometimes even physical, there are scars left on us because we gave into temptation and we sinned. You might say, Jesus was without sin, so how can he really feel sin the way I feel it? In fact, because of his purity, he actually feels the pain of sin even more. We talk about illustrations. We live in a world, there's germs all around us, even on us. But because we live in this environment and it's not sterile, we don't notice these germs and we learn to live with them. But it's a different story for an operating room. That operating room has to be completely sterile. It has to be, the contamination has to be gone because contamination of germs is a real threat that demands the attention of the entire staff. So they sterilize everything because bacteria can kill the patient. The purity of the room demands close attention to the presence of even the slightest impurity that could lead to a life-threatening infection. That's hard to grasp as well that we think about. If you've been in hospital rooms, which many of you have, in operating rooms, but you look around and everything is bright and sterile and clean. This scenario of operating rooms was around before COVID-19, the pandemic. And look at the results and how this virus has altered our lives and how we look and think differently about germs and contamination. From the whole point of wearing masks to using gallons of hand sanitizer. So Jesus' separateness from and the sensitivity to sin actually increases his ability to sympathize with us. Bottom line, Jesus understands what you're struggling with. And to realize this morning that, that we are not struggling alone. A lot of our sins are so heinous. We don't want to share them with anybody. And thus, that brings guilt and shame into our lives. And so, in a sense, we handle those alone unless somebody catches us doing something, then we have to explain that. The question is, even though we are in this pandemic and it has changed a lot of things for us, temptation did not go away during this time. It is there, and for some, it's even stronger. What temptation are you struggling with? Now, today, uh, we need to be honest at such a time as this. Top big four temptations. Fortune, fame, power, pleasure. These are the biggies. These are, I know there are other snags and pitfalls, but these four represent the weakest links in our chain of resistance. The most obvious chinks in our armor. If the enemy of our souls wants to launch one of his flaming arrows, his flaming missiles, toward an area that will have the greatest impact. He's got a choice of four major targets that you and I are susceptible to. And the first one is this, it's fortune. 
Money, 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 stuff that has a price tag, material goods, tangible things. And behind all that, the desire to own, to possess, to amass wealth, to get rich, and let's face it, to look rich. This is what deep-seated cravings um, to impress others as well as to scratch the age-old hits for more. And always, there never is enough. Contentment is out of the question. And all this seems so clear on paper. Color it green and call it greed, plain and simple. It's easy to analyze this objective moment. It's obvious. But somehow, when we slip into the mainstream and begin to swim, there's that current so subtle to begin with that surrounds us and tugs at us. And before long, we are swept up in the plunging, in plunging toward the rapids, almost out of control. To break free and chart an alternative course, Alternative courses that are never subtle, never easy. It requires nothing less than the power of Almighty God. Nobody ever withstood greed without a fight that was both relentless and fierce. The God of fortune dies a slow, painful death. The second one is fame. This is the push to be popular, to be one of the gang, to be liked. Actually, it is more than that. It's the hunger to be known, to make a name for oneself. It includes jockeying for the top spot, shaking the right hands, patting the right backs, and being in the right spot, adroitly manipulating and maneuvering. All the while, while there is a hidden egocentric agenda. Get your name in the lights. The insecurity of this reveals is somewhat between pathetic and nauseating and become an excuse for our actions. It's just the way I am. Man, haven't we all used that before? That doesn't cut it with God because God can, sees what he can, can see what he can do with us. We're not to stay the same. But don't misunderstand this morning, for some fame comes by surprise. It's nothing more than a byproduct of something you did right or a job well done, free from strategy. With no interest in being known, some are thrust into the center stage quite apart from their own desire. No problem, just so they keep examining their motives and maintaining their equilibrium. Fame can be pretty heady stuff, as one star puts it. Fame like flame is harmless until you start inhaling it. People who handle this graciously, graciously don't let themselves forget how undeserving they are. Frequently, their roots can be traced to the most humble of origins, origins, like the famous black contralto, Marian Anderson, who claimed that the greatest moment of her life occurred the day that she went home and told her mama that she wouldn't have to take washing anymore. We should never forget where God has brought us from in our journey from slavery to freedom in Christ. Power, those seeking power want to control to rule over others. They want to take charge and call all the shots and get their way. They manipulate and maneuver to be in a position of authority so they can hold others in check or force them to get in line. Though some accomplices as masters of defeat, hide, deceit, hiding behind real truth, behind smiling masks and pious words, their domineering style becomes evident when those who are supposed to follow don't, but rather exert some healthy and creative independence. 
Bow down, cries the ruler. Snap goes the whip. Power people have little tolerance for folks who think on their own and speak their mind because they believe that they are beneath them. For some strange region, region, can we talk this morning? The religious ranks are swollen with those who have yielded to this particular temptation. You give people enough authority to lead, a Bible to quote, and a need to succeed, and before long, you'd think Caesar had been reincarnated. It's no surprising, it's not surprising that Peter, when addressing those who pastor and shepherd the flock of God, warned against 1 Peter 5, 3, lording it over those allotted to your charge. Power-mad leaders leave more battered sheep than we would ever believe. In the spatial tragedy of battered sheep, they don't reproduce, and they don't sell, they seldom ever recover. And as I have met many in my journeys, they don't want anything to do with church. Pleasure is the last one. If it feels good, you can finish that sentence. It's perhaps our most vulnerable point of temptation. Pleasure represents the desire to be sensually satisfied no matter the cost. It may be as harmless as an amusement or as sordid as an illicit sexual encounter. The act is not my point. The attitude is, which is this. I want what I want when I want it. I'm going to be happy. I need to be fulfilled. My desires will be gratified regardless. This is what bad habits produce as well. No, we never come out and say it that boldly. But it's with that level of intensity, essential pleasure is pursued. And in doing so, we rationalize around Scripture. We lower our standards of morality. We ignore the promptings of our conscience. That's convincing ourselves that it's not merely okay, that it's a necessity. And in and if somehow visions of a holy God interrupt our fun on the playground, we have ways of ignoring him too. Paul portrays such people as fools in Romans 1, 21 and 22. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Fortune, fame, power, pleasure. When it comes to temptation, these are the four biggies. By resisting each out in the open, we cultivate character down inside. So I ask you this morning to keep your eyes open and your shield handy. The battle is on right now. You can't trust Satan's ceasefires. Ephesians 6.16 Above all, be sure you take faith as your shield, for it can quench every burning missile the enemy hurls at you. And you see that as you read Matthew 4, as Jesus used his shield and deal with these four issues that Satan brought to his mind. If you get a chance, read that. It's amazing what Satan offered him which in all actuality, Jesus already had it. Our powers in Christ and the Holy Spirit, whom lives within us, always remember Jesus really does understand us. How does he? text explains. That is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven. Jesus, Son of God, let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. And when temptation 
comes to us, verse 16 tells us exactly what to do. It's detailed. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will find or receive mercy, His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Well, through Christ's death on the cross and our sacrifice for sins, and because He gave His life for us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Grace, unmerited favor. God the Father sitting on the throne with His arms out, welcoming His children home. He never responds in anger. He never tells us how lousy we are. We do that for ourselves as the Holy Spirit convicts us. But as we go to that throne, we obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. God is not only concerned with collecting people and building his kingdom. He's concerned with my life and your life in an individual manner, actually. We go and we find God's loving kindness and forgiveness and when we come, we will receive grace. But another thing that we need to mention this morning, when we come, he doesn't let us off the hook, so to speak. The Bible says that God chastises those that he loves. I've studied this for years, and I've come up with this conclusion. The biggest part of my chastisement and yours is living with these consequences that we have created. We all know that sin creates consequences that God doesn't erase or take away. He lets us sleep in the bed that we make. And as I said previous, many of us have scars, scars that will always be there on our hearts, on our souls, and some even in our body because of some of the things that we did that we wasn't supposed to do. Those will always be there. But God has forgiven us for those. And we can move on with that, and he doesn't bring it back up. As Rick Warren said that God places our sins in the deepest part of the ocean and puts up a sign that says, no fishing. I, I praise God for that. Does Jesus understand this? Absolutely. And here's why. I want to read this one more time, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. That is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. So I say to you, people whom I love this morning, go to the throne, come to God's throne, go boldly. Those struggling with temptations, fortune, fame, power, pleasures, and others, Jesus understands them. And I want you to believe that this morning. Like I said, we are kind of in a time warp, it seems, and time seems to be standing still to a degree. But if you and I are honest this morning, we know that maybe even this morning, the past times this week that temptation came and Maybe you didn't do so good. Maybe you gave in to that. And the Holy Spirit comes and he knocks on our heart's door and we sense that. You know, the greatest thing about it, we come boldly to that throne and ask for forgiveness. And he forgives us for everything. And we are totally 
free again in God's eyes and we can sleep at night in peace. And I'm thankful for that. Lord, we love you. We are thankful that you are such a loving Heavenly Father. We are thankful that we can come to your throne boldly. We can march right up and present our case and you hear us. You never shut your ears. You're always there as we come before you and you shed your mercy and grace upon us. Lord, I thank you for these folks. I love them. Continue to keep them safe. Help us to stay smart, Lord, as we deal with the situation that we're in. And I just ask a tremendous blessing on each one. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.